Hey guys, welcome to the Mental Makeover Podcast. I'm Lauren Curtis. You've probably heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side, but I believe it's greener where you water it. This podcast is here to provide you with meaningful advice from myself and others in order to give your little patch of grass the best chance to grow and flourish. Hey guys, I hope you're all having a lovely start to the year. 2020, wow, that is still crazy to say. I am actually recording this in 2019, and some of you may remember I went onto Instagram and asked you if you would like to hear my perspective on starting a small business and all of the mistakes that Reese and I have made, what we've learned from them, like how our entire attitude towards business has completely shifted since we launched, which would have been 2018, end of 2018. And as I said in my Instagram stories, it's only been, it hasn't even been two years. It's been, by the time I'm recording this, it's about a year and a half. And that is crazy because we have learned so much in the process. And I feel like what we've learned would really apply to so many people that are maybe just starting out in business or are thinking about starting their own business and are kind of scared or not sure what you need to do and what you don't need to do, what is important, what's not important, what's worth the money, what's not worth the money. And while all businesses are going to be totally different and they might call for different approaches, I will be coming from a clothing brand perspective, which I'm sure is somewhat similar to many other kinds of industries. But yeah, that's obviously our unique perspective with Lauren Curtis Lounge, my loungewear brand, pajamas, sleepwear, all of that good stuff. So when Reese and I first started talking about creating this business together, It was out of a desire to do something a little bit different. At that point, I didn't really want to do what everyone else was doing, not because I didn't think it was cool or anything or like interesting, just because it wasn't interesting to me at that point in my life. Like it just didn't feel like it was a good fit. So I thought to myself, what is a good fit? It's sleepwear, loungewear, comfy clothes, because I'm such a homebody, I'm an introvert, like I love the creature comforts of (laughs) being in your own house and snuggled up with your dog watching a scary movie, like that's my absolute dream. I just, that's like where I'm most comfortable. So that just made the most sense to me. I'm like, this is perfectly aligned with me as a person and I hope other people will agree and they'll like it and I can help all the people that buy it feel that same way that I do when I'm in my pajamas and I'm comfy at home and just at your most raw almost. When you've had a long day at work, you want to come home, get into your comfy clothes, your PJs and just relax. Like I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be able to be a part of that moment because it's such a great moment. Ah, The best part of any day is coming home and getting into your pajamas. Like I'm not going to argue with anyone on that. It is the truth. My situation may also be slightly different to yours purely because of my social media following. I feel like I factored that into the equation perhaps too much. And that made me put too much pressure on myself. And perhaps that wouldn't be the same case for you. But I'm a perfectionist. And so even if I didn't have the following, I'm sure I still would have had a similar perspective regardless. Like I just want everything to be perfect as much as humanly possible. The first mistake we made, and it was a big one, was thinking that it needed to be a huge launch. And by a huge launch, I mean you have to make it look entirely 100% professional, hire all these professionals, have professional models, hire out a location, like 
go to the absolute end of the earth to make it look legitimate. And that was out of insecurity, I think. It was me thinking that if it's not perfect, if it doesn't look like all of the other clothing brands that I see online, people aren't going to take it seriously and they'll keep scrolling and they'll ignore it and it will fail. And that does sound very dramatic, but it was totally my mindset. So just a bit of like backstory, we launched Lauren Curtis Lounge off the back of a massive shoot. Well, it was massive for me. It was like two days worth of shoots. We flew to Sydney, first mistake, did not need to do that. Okay, I'm just gonna explain what we did and then explain why it was a mistake. So we flew to Sydney, Reese and I, we had like three big suitcases. We had one day where we were on set. We hired a location in Bondi, we hired three models, we hired a makeup artist, we hired a hairstylist, we hired a production manager thing for the shoot, we hired photographers, we hired a videographer, we did catering, we did every single possible thing that is technically correct if you're a big company and you're doing like a shoot and that was the first day. The next day we did the e-commerce shoot. So we hired a warehouse, we hired a photographer, we hired the models, we hired the catering, we hired the makeup artist who also did the hairstyling as well. Of course, that also meant we had hotel fees and flight fees and Reese had to get time off work. Like we really committed to this hardcore. And don't get me wrong, it did all come together really well. And I think I also put extra pressure on myself because this was the first thing that I was releasing outside of YouTube. By now, so many other YouTubers had released like makeup lines or clothing lines or collaborations and I hadn't done anything so I really wanted to make it like pop and make a big bang and so I'm glad that it did look the way it looked it looked professional legit whatever but in hindsight the first thing we would do differently now there's no way we would go to Sydney that was an absolute waste of money and so unnecessary all of the models that we wanted were based in Sydney although we did fly one model from Perth over there as well that was just like a waste of money <laughs> although uh, yeah again the photographer that I wanted was over there like everything was over there that's why we did it and because I thought it has to be done in Sydney like Perth doesn't have all these nice cool locations that you can hire so it has to be in Sydney if we could do it again we'd do it in Perth there are so many cute places you can find on Airbnb these days we would do it in Perth 100% we would find a Perth-based photographer next thing we would have done differently is we wouldn't have hired models because that was very expensive as was obviously going to sydney but the models are also expensive as well they looked amazing for sure and they're all so lovely but i would have just loved to have my best friends there instead it would have been more natural it would have been free i would have obviously given them the clothes that they were wearing as like a little thank you because they loved the clothes and i'm saying this because we actually did a shoot recently that you can see on the lauren curtis lounge homepage where it was so much fun, like Reese took the photos, they looked awesome. It was just easy. They all did their own makeup. So again, we wouldn't have had to pay hairstylists and makeup artists. The next thing we would have done differently is the e-commerce shoot. It does look more professional having a model, but that's my insecurities coming through. I was thinking if I'm the model, people aren't gonna take it seriously. When in actual fact, I feel like it sells better now that I am the model because people know me and it's more like familiar, not some random model that you've seen modeling a million other brands before. Like if it was just me, I don't model other clothing brands unless I'm doing a video, but that's not actually modeling. That's just doing a normal video. 
So it's a clear distinction between, oh, that's Lauren and she's wearing her loungewear rather than, oh, that's Lauren's loungewear, I guess. And there's a random model that I've seen in every other clothing boutique's photos also wearing. So it's just a weird situation. And what we do now for Lauren Curtis Lounge is I model the clothes, Reese takes the photos. I had to buy some equipment still. It was a decent price considering how much use we've gotten out of it already. Like that's already basically paid itself off. And of course, there was a period where I had to kind of show Reese what to do, how to do it. But he's such a fast learner. He picked it up really quickly. And him taking the photos has already paid off like the equipment that we bought to take the photos because hiring a photographer is very expensive in case you don't know, (laughs) unless your friend's doing it. And that photographer, I think, gave us a discount too. So like it was expensive as it was. And that was with a discount. And yeah, the photos may not look as professional as the ones that our actual photographer took. We're still learning. We're still getting it right. But they still look pretty good for costing us nothing. Like, do you know how much money we've saved every single time we've done a shoot? Not having to pay models, makeup artists, hairstylists, locations, photographers, like everything, catering. We would have saved thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars each time. I will tell you, those two days cost us like over $30,000. I think it might even be more than that. It could be even 40000 And think about it. I don't know if that sounds like a lot to you or not much, but when you're starting a small business, that is $40,000 that you have to make back. Like this isn't just buying the bulk stock, putting a markup on it and then selling it and then having to cover the costs of the manufacturing. That's straightforward. Like if you buy something for, I don't know, I'm going to use a random example. If you buy a t-shirt for $5 and you sell it for $20, that's $15 profit, right? 20 take 5 is 15. But factor in the $40,000 that we spent, that might mean that your profit is now $10 or $5 because you've still got to pay back those other costs that aren't necessarily what you factored into your original like forecasting and projecting and figures because I honestly think our budget was initially like, oh, we don't want to spend more than 10 grand on this shoot. Like we want to keep it as affordable as possible for us because obviously we're starting out. But by the time everything was done and finished with, it was literally $30,000 or $40,000. I can't even remember. But we're looking back on the books and we're like, if we didn't spend that $30,000 or $40,000, that means that money would have gone into our pockets rather than into someone else's pockets. And that means we would have started making a profit sooner. I love listening to business podcasts. And one of them in particular, I think it was actually Skype because he started it with like zero expenses. He put barely anything into it. He just hustled and found a way to make sure that he wasn't spending money. It was crazy the way he did it. And I was thinking to myself, oh, whatever, like, you know, that's all well and good to say, but how can you really start a business without money? You gotta put money into it, you gotta make it this, you gotta make it that. And in hindsight, we could have done so much of that launch ourselves and saved that money. And it still would have looked good. That's the thing. I think we have these expectations. It's like we, we, we look at other businesses around us and we see what they're doing and we think, well, they're successful. So that means that we have to do what they're doing. When in actual fact, that has no, that should have no bearing on the way you run your business because you should make it unique and different. And if you think that it needs, you know, a professional photographer, it needs to look a certain way. Like if you're selling really luxurious products or something, of course you want to invest in photographers and photo shoots and stuff that reflect the quality of your product. But if your product is a really chill lifestyle brand, like a loungewear pajamas, like you don't need 
to have this level of perfection that other people strive for. It doesn't need to be the same as everybody else. The next thing we did wrong was not really researching the website side of things. We spent probably, oh, I don't even know how much it was, 30000 maybe, or was it more than that? I can't remember, on our website. And websites are expensive, like not going to lie. They are expensive, whichever way you look at it, unless you do it yourself. We didn't do enough research when we went into it. We went to an agency who were great and they told us like, you know, we can do it this way. We can make it look like this. And we just follow, follow their lead basically and didn't do enough research ourselves. But we went with WooCommerce rather than Shopify. And that was our first mistake. Shopify is so much cheaper, so much easier. It's just ugh, so many more options with WooCommerce. It's like you have to build everything from scratch you have to pay for little upgrades. With Shopify, so much of that is standard, like by default. And also the hosting, we were paying like 600, was it 600 US dollars a month just to host our website. And then we found a different company that can host it for, I don't know, $120 a month or something, which is so much more affordable. But even Shopify, like you don't have to pay that unless you pay for Shopify Plus, which is I think $2,000 a month or something. And that gives you a whole heap of like amazing extras. If you're just doing the normal Shopify, you don't have to pay that much because Shopify's servers are so big, it does it itself. It's so much easier to customize. Like Reese did his whole website himself. And even the Shopify team said to him, like, you've done a really, really good job. Most people can't do what you've done without any help. He did it all himself. He paid nothing for that website, which means that anything he made from his watches instantly became profit once they obviously paid off his cost of goods. But he would show me features on Shopify. And I was like, why doesn't our website have this? We spent all this money on it and we have to ask them to build it and then pay hundreds of dollars or even thousands of dollars to build it. It just seems so archaic and like counterproductive. And it's a beautiful website. We're really happy with it. They did an amazing job of making it. But I kind of wish they had given us more of an insight into, hey, these are your options. We're not unhappy with the way the website looks or anything like that. But we just regret not doing our research. So with my companies moving forward, like my, my different brands, I'm doing it all on Shopify. I'm designing as much of the website as I can myself instead of relying on like a whole graphic design team or like development team to create the branding and this and that. I'm doing it all myself because I'm a control freak and I want it to be perfect. I can come up with all of the designs and all I need is the web dev to actually code it and fit it all into the website and make it functional. But me creating the graphics and creating the look and feel of the website eliminates a huge chunk of their time, the development time, which means that I'm saving money. And I don't think you should create your logo yourself or even your branding yourself unless you're really, really confident that it looks good and professional. I'm very, very fussy with these things. I know that my logo is going to look good. I'm very confident in Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop. I wouldn't even really use Photoshop, but basically Adobe Illustrator and creating logos and things like that. Whereas some people I can tell have made their own logos and it doesn't look professional. So I think if you're going to spend the money on anything, anything, it should be first and foremost a branding package where you go to someone, a company, graphic design team, whatever, and say, this is the kind of business I'm wanting to start. I need branding and logos and all that kind of stuff to launch it with. I want this kind of design, color board, mood board, whatever. And that way, that's the first thing your customers will see is your branding. 
You don't want them to see something you made on like Microsoft Paint and have it look basic and amateur and unprofessional because then they might think that that's the way your business is. It's like it's you, you don't know what you're doing. That sounds really harsh and brutal, but it, it's it's true. I see some branding and I'm like, far out. Someone needs to tell them it looks bad. <laughs> we had our whole Lauren Curtis Lounge design done by that same web team and it is really simple. It's not like, you know, a revolutionary, really clever logo or, or anything, but they created our little monogram, little LC, which I love. It's super simple, but it's super clean. They created the Lauren Curtis Lounge logo, the, the, the color boards, all that kind of stuff. And to be honest, I'm really glad that we went to them for that because it just looks like I look back at the first little few examples that I made that I showed them when we first had our meetings and I'm so embarrassed by them because they were so bad. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. They made it look really good. So that I don't regret. And yeah, the website looks amazing. They did, they did an amazing job. They're a really like legitimate company. That's why I think it costs so much because they did an amazing job. But in hindsight, go for Shopify. I feel like most people know this by now. I don't feel like anyone's really going to be going to WooCommerce first and foremost over Shopify. But even just with the website, like do as much as you can yourself. Do as absolutely as much as you can yourself. And when you need help or when you're not sure if it looks good or professional, that's when you need to talk to someone else. But if you can do it all yourself, do your best to do it. Making sure that your logo and branding and everything is professional. Same thing with photography. If you're not comfortable taking your own photos and you don't have the right setup, of course, by all means, go and hire someone to help you with that. I obviously have a background in filming and photography, so I enjoy that. It's different for me. But if you don't, it might be worth it for you going and speaking to someone who can take the professional photos. Reese, for example, he goes to a place in Perth that does photos of his watches. And there is no way on this earth we could ever take those photos like they take them. They are beautifully taken. So depending on what your products are, you might be able to do it in-house. You might have to hire someone else. But just be aware that you have options and you don't have to. It doesn't have to be perfect. The biggest thing, I think the biggest thing and this is like underpinning all of the stuff that I've spoken about so far. This is like the number one issue that everything comes down to. Do not compare your business to other people's businesses because you'll always fall short. You will always fall short, especially if you're starting. Like I was comparing our little business that hadn't even started yet to multi-million dollar businesses that had been in business for like 5, 10, 15 years comparing our little business to theirs and thinking, oh, I need to do this and this and this and this and this to make sure it's all perfect. Whereas when they started, they were probably holding their stock in their garage, like taking amateur photos with a little digital camera. We don't see these things. We don't see everybody's beginnings. We only see their like peaks and their highs because they've done the work, they've put in the time and now they're on this like global scale so it's easy for us to see them and find them and think oh my god they've done so well forgetting that they also had to start somewhere as well i was also thinking about our brand and thinking oh my gosh we need to start huge we need to order so much stock we need to make sure that you know we don't sell out i was also looking at other even kind of like young businesses that were completely selling out and while we launched we sold out of a lot of styles but we didn't sell out of some stock and I was thinking, oh my God, this is so bad. Like we didn't sell out of this stock. It looks so bad on us. And I was so concerned about what everyone else was thinking. I was thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, why didn't we sell out? We've got to sell out, sell out, sell out. Because that's the kind of culture that we live in now. It's like the whole scarcity thing. Who knows how many items 
that company actually launched with. They could have launched with 10 and sold out and made it look like they had like 10,000 items that they sold out of. We started out with a lot of stock, too much stock, (laughs) too much in certain aspects. It's funny because, oh gosh, so many lessons. Okay, as I'm speaking about this, more and more things are coming into my head. So first of all, actually, I'm going to touch on the comparison thing a little bit later because I have more to say about that, but that isn't a good one. MOQs, minimum order quantities. I was thinking I've got this following, so I need to have all this stock ready and waiting for people to buy it. And I also wasn't thinking, this is another little lesson, actually pay attention to the little things that you think that might not actually be that important. For example, we launched in summer or spring uh, with long sleeve satin sets, two long sleeve satin sets, uh, sweatpants, hoodies, and sweatpants shorts. Okay, Australian summer can get to like 40 degrees. So we launched with winter stuff in summer. And then I thought to myself last minute, oh, actually, maybe we should make some short satin sets because, you know, it's good to have both options. So we launched with those. We had less stock because we couldn't afford to buy too much more. And we launched. They sold out instantly. The short sets sold out instantly. And everything else sold well, but it didn't sell out. So I was freaking out like, oh, yeah, oh my God, we didn't sell out, blah, 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 blah. As I said before, like I was worried about that. I was thinking like, does this mean that we failed? No one cares. No one wants it. And then we restocked the short satin sets and they sold out again. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So maybe people don't want to buy hot sweats in summer and they actually want to be able to breathe and not drench themselves in sweat in summer. So that's why they're buying the summer items. Like, I was thinking, oh, these items are cute. People will buy them regardless of if it's summer or winter. This isn't me being like conceited. This is just me being totally ignorant to the fact that people actually care about seasons and they're not going to buy winter clothes in summer and summer clothes in winter. It just doesn't happen. So don't get too confident. That sounds like a bad thing to say, but don't be so cocky that you're like, oh, these are so cute that people will buy them regardless or my product is so great that people will buy it regardless of if it's actually relevant to their lives at that point in time. And also with our sweatpant range, I love it. I live in it. But we had four different colors of these sweats, which is the first mistake we made. Why didn't we just do two? Our best sellers are gray and pink. We should have just stuck with gray and pink. And then on top of ordering four colors, we ordered so much stock of each color because this is our first time in business. We have no idea how much people will buy. We also bought bulk stock of the white tops, which I love, but (laughs) so many lessons. I'm like rubbing my eyes right now because it makes so much sense now, but you don't see it in the moment. We bought so much of that stock, but like think about it, sweatpants, hoodies, shorts, you can buy that anywhere. It's not something unique. To our brand. Same thing with the tops, the white tops. The quality is amazing. The fit's amazing. I love them. I'm really proud of them. And I'm disappointed that they didn't get out there like I wanted them to get out there because they are so great. But I get it. They're plain white tops. Like you already have those in your collection, I'm sure. It's not something new we're bringing to you. So, like, why would you buy it? If you can get a sweatpants set for, I don't know, some ridiculously low price from like Kmart or something. I'm sure you do that. Our quality is amazing. The fabric's amazing. It's obviously a small business. Like I'm proud of that. We kept the prices as low as we could. But at the end of the day, realistically, 
as much as I want to say the quality is great, the product's great, like they are worth it, I know that people are going to choose something that's more affordable if they don't want to support me or they don't care about the quality or they don't want to support a small business. And that's fine if they don't want to do that. I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't, but you've got to be realistic. Like not everyone is going to see your product the same way that you see it. And so the Silky Summer sets, the short ones, they were something that, yeah, they'd been done before. A lot of companies have done those, but ours were like, I'm going to toot my own horn. Next level, the quality, this like the satin fabric is delicious. It is beautiful. It is so nicely made. The fit's beautiful. The colors are gorgeous. Like that for me, we stand out from the crowd a bit in that respect because I've seen a lot of cheaper clothing companies create these little sets and I look at them and I'm like, oh, I can tell that's cheaply done. That's cheaply done. The fabric doesn't look nice. The way it sits isn't as nice. So it's like, that's obviously why people love our Silky Summer sets. They're our best sellers. They were from the beginning. They still are now. It's like, that's what we should have stuck with. We also only launched those in two colors, which makes so much more sense. So with that lesson, we learned buy as little stock as you possibly can. And I know that most people would probably know this, but like MOQs absolutely push for the lowest minimum order quantity you possibly can if you're selling a product or an item. And don't feel like you need to come out with 10 different colors. (laughs) Holy moly. I just think how different it would have been if we only launched gray and pink in the sweats items and ordered like a quarter of the amount that we did. And same thing with the white tops. I probably would have ordered a sixth of the amount that we did. We ordered way too much. And that's fine. You learn that lesson. And we've sold through most of the sweat stuff. Now we've got a little bit left, but nothing compared to what we started with. And that's the other thing as well. Because we have a warehouse in Sydney, we're paying for warehouse storage. So the more stock we have in our inventory on hand in the warehouse, the more we pay each week. And it's not a small amount. It's significant. So the less stock we have, the less we have to pay in storage fees. So if we order too much stock and it sits, we're like losing money every single week and narrowing our margins because we've got to pay for that storage. You've got to listen to the customer. (laughs) You're so much better off ordering less than you need, like absolutely bare minimum. Then you can sell out and then you can bring more stock in. I don't know where I was reading it. Oh, I think it, it was my sister, I think. She said, was it my sister? Oh gosh, I have no idea where I heard this, but there was a company online. I think it was my sister actually. She was saying there's like a bicycle clothing, cycling clothing, whatever company. And every time she goes on the website, the stock is sold out. So she's thinking that they order really like low amounts of their new styles that come in. Then they sell out of that stock. So they've cleared their hands of that stock. All good. Now they can bring in a new style. And again, they order low so that they can sell out of that stock and bring in a new style. Whereas if you're ordering too much, it's going to take you a lot longer to sell through that. And that means that your cash flow is kind of halted and your money is tied up in this stock that you're trying to sell and you can't use that money to buy new stock. So when your customers are coming onto the website, they're wanting new stock, but they're still seeing the old stuff. And that was really hard for us at the beginning because we're like, we want to keep buying new stock, but we need to get rid of this old stock and move it faster and like trying to get it out there. It's just all this stuff that you learn when you first start that now it seems so obvious to us, but it was really hard to navigate that when we started. 
Back to the comparison thing. So yeah, Reese and I were comparing ourselves to other brands and we're thinking, oh, we haven't sold out. We haven't done this. Like why is now doing this? And you just get into this depressing trap of thinking you're not good enough, that you've failed, that like you had all these expectations and they weren't met. The, the best way to go into business is to have zero expectations. Like we were also so, oh my God, we need to make new patterns and get new. And that's the thing as well. We're spending all this money on patterns, which we needed to do. And I'm glad we did it back then. But like it was a lot of money we spent that first year making new designs, new styles and samples and this and that. And like reaching out to other suppliers overseas and thinking, oh, we need to make socks and eye masks and this and that and accessories and build up the cart value. And yeah, that's that's something that we want to do eventually. But like we were so stressed on trying to do all these different things and having all this new stock and like always having something fresh on the website and filling in the gaps and making it all perfect and neat and whatever that we were stressing ourselves out and it has the opposite effect when you put too much on your plate you get like just stuffed and over it and you're like this isn't actually I don't want to do any of this now because I put so much pressure on myself that I'm not doing it because I enjoy it I'm doing it because I feel like I have to do it our attitude this year has been like there is so much we have to do with our business. We have all of these email subscribers and we've never sent one newsletter. Do you know how bad that is? The number one source of revenue for most businesses is through their email list because you don't have to go on social media and fight for like, you know, screen space with other brands. You're going straight to the customer's inbox and saying, hey guys, I've got this new product or I've got a sale on, like come onto our website and have a look. We have never sent, like, we've got so much room to improve, not even improve, like, we've got so much room to grow. We spent the first, like, year overwhelming ourselves to the point where we almost, like, shut down because it was all too much. This half of the year has been a breeze. We've almost stopped caring in the best possible way. It's almost become a little bit on the back burner, not in a bad way, like, not like I've forgotten about it, but just that I'm not caring as much about the little things that don't actually matter. I've just realized that all these little things that I put so much emphasis on don't matter. So in a way, I definitely am caring less about the things that I used to care about that I didn't need to care about. But now I'm spending my time caring about the things that actually matter and need my attention. I also was really struggling to do all of my social media stuff on Lord's Curtis page and my YouTube and all of that. And then also manage the Lauren Curtis Lounge page and do all of that and like all of my other podcast stuff and different pages and all this, all these different avenues and platforms that I had to keep track of and then do my paid work for my YouTube channel. Like it was all way too much. And so the Lauren Curtis Lounge Instagram page was falling behind and being neglected. I finally, finally hired someone who's been really great and she's helped me so much. And even just that, like there's an increase in sales just from having a regularly attended to Instagram page. And it's not always selling. It's not always posting like, look, buy this sleepwear set, buy these pajamas, buy this. It's like funny memes or nice pictures. I never wanted it to be sellish and like always trying to sell something. I just wanted it to be active and engaging and people talking and that kind of thing. So that was a massive help as well. I knew for so long that I needed help with that. And even with my like YouTube stuff, I'll be getting help with that next year. Just outsourcing where possible. And circling back around to the comparison thing again. I spent so much time, well, Reese and I both, but probably me more so because it had my name attached to it. I spent so much time comparing our company and our business success to what I assumed because how do I know what other companies are doing business-wise, like numbers-wise, comparing our business to theirs 
which makes, yeah, no sense because, as I just said, they could be close to bankruptcy. They could be ordering 10 items and then selling out. They could be ordering 100,000 items and then selling out. You just never know, so you should never compare yourself to anyone because you never know what's going on behind closed doors. (sighs) Anyway, I spent so much time comparing that I had convinced myself that our business was performing poorly. It wasn't until I got out of my weird, obsessive comparison mindset and like chilled out and detached myself a little bit for a little while that I actually went back and looked at our books, like our bookkeeping and accounting, and I'm like, holy crap, this was one year. We made that much money in one year, which is more than most people would make in many years from a salary, and I'm here complaining about the fact that our business isn't doing as well as other businesses. It's just such a toxic habit. It's such a bad habit. And like this year, we're growing and we've made more money than last year. So that's amazing. When you actually look at our figures, it's mind-blowing that we're already at this point and it's not even two years in. But for so long, I wasn't even appreciating that because I was too wound up in comparing what we were doing to what everyone else was doing. And I should know better than that because I'm in this industry, social media, and I know how dangerous it is. And personally, with my personal life, I don't compare because I love my life and I'm really happy with where I'm at. But business, because it was a new area, was just a completely different thing. And yeah, it's good to know what other people are doing, but like pop your head in every now and then. Like I'm talking maybe like a couple of times a year if you must. And then just focus on doing you because otherwise you're going to start adopting their ways of doing things and Like, not that I ever did that, but I know other friends of mine that are in business, people started copying their styles and their just the whole like aesthetic and everything was just copied because they were obviously so focused on this person doing well that they thought that they had to do the exact same thing in order to succeed. That's not the case. You can have your own style, your own techniques, your own voice, your own attitude, your own vibe, and still be successful. You don't need to follow in the footsteps of somebody else. And in terms of financials as well, I do listen to lots of business podcasts. They inspire me like crazy. I love listening to them, especially How I Built This. That's my favorite one. I'm listening to that like nonstop at the moment. And the common thread is that with social media these days, we see all these unicorn businesses. Like they overnight make millions of dollars. They'll launch this product and become overnight successes or it seems like they'll become overnight successes and they'll be worth like $100 million in their first year or something ridiculous like that. And you're like, wow, if they're doing it, it must be possible. And it is possible, but it's unrealistic to think that we're all going to have businesses that launch and become multi-million dollar businesses as soon as we've launched them. (laughs) Like it's not realistic. Most businesses take like four or five years to become profitable. And I think something like 50% of businesses will fail in the first year or something, something crazy huge like that. And then there's this tiny percentage of businesses that are still running up to five years. The odds are already against you if you're a small business owner. Don't now throw into the mix comparison and thinking you've got to earn millions of dollars overnight. All of these businesses that I hear on this podcast are worth like billions or like 100 million or 300 million or half a billion. And there was a good five to like seven years usually of hustle, making no money, absolutely living like rough, so many struggles. To be honest, I don't know if I could do that myself. I don't know if I'd be able to push through like all of these people have. Most of them have almost become bankrupt. They've lost everything. They've put everything on the line. Yeah, I, I don't think I could ever do that. It would stress me out too much. 
not having much money when I was growing up to having financial freedom when I'm older, for me to risk all of that completely, like to the point that all these people on this podcast do, I don't think I could do it, but they do it. And guess what? Because they had faith in themselves and they waited and they had patience and they persisted for from like five to seven years, if not more, now they're earning hundreds of millions of dollars. Like it's just, if you want it to be successful, you have to put in the time and the blood, sweat and tears. And I'm saying that from only being in business for about two years, I am going to be able to come back on this podcast in two more years and say, oh, I've learned even more lessons. We've learned so many expensive lessons, but you've got to do it. It's just the way it is. And you've also got to prepare yourself for that as well. You will lose money. You will spend money on things that you don't need to spend money on. You will spend money on a certain product or something and think it's going to perform so well and everyone's going to buy it and then no one buys it. Or you're going to release something that you're not really sure about, you're not sure if you like it, and then it's going to sell out. You just don't know. You can't plan. Like You've just got to take it step by step. And that's the number one thing we've learned, Reese and I, is just some lessons are really hard to learn, but you've just got to keep focused on the end goal and don't be impatient. And that's really big coming from me because I am the most impatient person ever. And especially in my industry where it's like you see all these people launching these businesses, but you never see what's actually going on behind closed doors. Are they happy? Are they stressed out to the absolute maximum? Have they almost lost everything? Have they actually been hustling for like years and years and years prior in the lead up to that point where you finally see like the success? You just don't know. So just hang in there and be patient and believe in yourself, believe in your goal, believe in your business and success will come to you. I just randomly thought, you know how I was saying to you guys, oh, I want to change the business name. So I changed the business name and asked you guys and I was doing polls and trying to figure out names and I ended up like registering names and all this stuff. That was in my little period of, oh, we need to change the business because it's not performing as well. Like we need to be like similar to other businesses and make the name this and do that. Like I was so insecure about our performance, even though it was actually amazing just because I was comparing it what we were doing to everybody else around us. And that's why I was stressed out and like asked you guys, should we change the name? Should we change the name? Because I was thinking that changing the name was going to solve all that problems and like that was the problem that we had. Oh, so many lessons learned, but I'm glad we've learned them because this year has been amazing for us. Next year will be even more amazing. We're just being more patient, not focusing too much on all the stupid little things we were focusing on before. Hiring help as well, even if it's just part-time help, just all these little changes that we're making are really really positive and our quality of life has improved so much and I'm just really grateful for it so for it to be doing so well so early on is amazing and I can't wait to see where we're at in a couple of years so I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and of course Reese's heart we appreciate it so much if you've bought something or I don't even know if you just commented on our photos or engaged with us on our page We absolutely love you guys. So thank you. I hope this helped in some way or another. And I will speak to you all soon. Bye, guys. (laughs) 